Hey everybody, this is Gary Spikes coming to you once again from the great state of Oklahoma. It's finally cooled off a little bit out here. Been raining some, but uh, we are here with Poor Boys Paranormal Podcast coming to you again, talking Squatch with a very good friend of mine, great guy, have known him, come to find out our families have known each other for a long time. But from the great state of Arkansas, I have Mr. Stephen Hill here with us today we are going to be talking squatch for a little bit talk some of his theories his experiences uh and the group that he is with and then we're also going to bring on the later on another episode with his uh I guess partner in crime, you'd call it. And then we're going to bring them both on and discuss some stuff. Just kind of do a bio with these guys. Uh, but, Stephen, how you doing today? I'm doing good, Gary. Good to be with you. I've tell you what, I've been waiting a long time for this one. I've been, uh, uh, we've been kind of, you know, trying to bounce around a little bit. And then when we uh, finally got to meet at uh, Hanobia Bigfoot Festival and got to talking, like I was telling the folks earlier, telling everybody that me and Stephen's family goes way back. We know a lot of the, so pretty much come from the same hometown, I guess, because I was kind of my whole life raised up around the. Uh, you, you mind if I tell them what town you're from? Uh, you can go ahead. Okay. Uh, Stephen is from one of the most beautiful towns in western Arkansas, D-Queen, Arkansas. I love that area. I love that place. I, I've coon hunted them old back roads and them hills over there most of my early life with my family. But uh, in saying that, we're going to get right to it. Folks, the reason we're doing this, of course, is to let Stephen get some of his experiences out and to talk a little bit about that. But also, I have had this thing going for about three years doing research real serious in that area and you hear so many reports coming from Broken Bow area from Hoochatown all the way up to Smithville over to Hanobia of course everybody knows about the Hanobia experiences but you don't hear a whole lot coming out of western Arkansas and everybody talks about Falk Arkansas well the, all this area is too close together for it not to be tied together, and that's the reason I reached out to Stephen. And come to find out, when I reached out to Stephen, Stephen has a lot of experiences. And so we're going to get into that here shortly. But, uh, Stephen, I have to ask the first question right off the bat. What got you in to the target subject of Sasquatch? It was something I always, uh, always had an interest in. It was uh, uh, growing up where I grew up, our, our local our local news comes out of Shreveport, and there there would be times, you know, where people would uh, they would have an eyewitness on to talk about how they'd seen the the Falk monster across the highway in front of them and stuff like that. So I, I was always interested in that and monsters and mysteries and just anything that came on about Bigfoot or any, any I guess anything out of the ordinary. I was I was always wanted to find out more about it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, with the uh, with the Bigfoot stuff, I was kind of. I guess I kind of got to the uh, point where I was thinking that if somebody wanted to see a Bigfoot, they'd have to go to the West Coast to see it. And which, which is funny because William Lunsford, you know, is a is a friend of mine, good friend Absolutely. of mine. We uh, and we we met, we became friends in 1988. We played on the same softball team together. And uh, last year, I finally uh, uh, when William and I got together and we got to hit it. Hit it pretty hard, you know. It's a uh, in '88 we're playing softball together and we're playing at Wicks, Arkansas. Oh wow! And, and we had a break in between games, and we went to uh, one of us had the idea of let's let's go down to the Costat River and we'll just sit in the river and cool off because it's a hot day. And that's what we did. We went to the river and we kind of cooled off. And last year, I finally dawned on me. I, I just asked William. I said, uh, William, that day we went to the 
Costad in 1988. I said, were we Bigfoot hunting that day? And he laughed. He said, yeah, we were. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> and, and, the, and the funny thing is, I hadn't told William, but my very first sighting of a Bigfoot happened within about three and a half, maybe four miles away from that spot. Wow, was that before that or after that? It, it was after that. It was actually in 2009. Wow. You know, I had my first sighting. I had one had one that crossed the road in front of me, uh, just a little bit south of Cossatite Falls, and it was on all fours. Really? Across the road. Yeah. You lucky. I have always wanted to see one in what I call four-wheel drive, a quadruped. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They say it is dramatically different than seeing one, you know, in a bipedal. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... Uh, as far I've no, I've never really had the chance to see one move around on upright. Uh, I've seen them. I've seen them a couple of times on all fours. Um, and I tell you what, man, when they're on all fours, it's it they're they're incredibly fast. Yeah, and they are so smooth. It doesn't look like anything else you're going to see in the woods. Really, even like a bear or something moving? Is oh, the only only thing a Bigfoot and a bear have in common when a Bigfoot's running running dead out on all fours is the fact that they're on all fours. Oh, wow. Because a bear's going to have an up and down motion. If the bear has some weight on it, you got stuff flopping around everywhere. Yeah, yeah like, like an old fat hound dog running through the yep. yard. Yeah. Yep, yeah. And a Bigfoot, no, they're smooth. It, it's almost like they're gliding. That that's how smooth they are. So it's and, it's almost like when they're even uh, walking bipedal. Then they ha they yes. have no they have no up and down motion with their head at all. That is crazy. No. Yeah, and 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 the front end and back end they may not be exactly level. I mean, my that encounter there when I saw it, you know, it lasted probably three or four seconds. Yeah, and it was gone. And when I got up to where it crossed the road, you know, I thought, well, I'll I'll pull up here and I'll I'll look at this thing. No, it. <laughs> It was gone. You know, there's a going theory that they're actually probably faster on all four than they are on two. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly how fast it was going, but um, I'll guarantee you this. There's no possible way that a deer could ever outrun one. Oh, I bet. I'm sure. I mean. Yeah. I, they're so much faster than deer. It's not even funny. Wow. I'd love to get some of that on thermal. I mean, that would be yeah. so. Uh, yeah. So you said they're almost level, you know, when they're uh, on all Front four. in and back in. Yeah. Well, in saying With that, those. have you ever, uh, you know, bent over and tried to, to mimic that as a human? Uh, uh, no, my my son, my son does it sometimes. Not not necessarily trying to mimic a Bigfoot, yeah, but, but he's just playing, just playing around. Bud's, you know, he's seven, so Bud's yeah. up in the air, up in the air, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. I've, uh, one of the going theories that uh, that I've had is I, you know, I seen mine up close standing. And his arms, I think their arms are actually longer than ours, proportionate to the body. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think so. There's one video that I watched. It was a, it was a video on YouTube, and it was, a, uh, according to the guy who did the did the research and did the numbers on it, he, he thought that uh, I think there's about a 5% difference between their legs and their arms on a Bigfoot. That, that would be, you know, a... You know, and of course, you know, all this is speculation. Nobody has one. Yeah. I, you know, nobody's an expert. But in my opinion, that mm -hmm. would be about right. I mean, because. Yeah. Uh, and the width of the shoulders, also, I can't even talk, also adds to that. Mm -hmm. But uh, 
Yeah. That is nuts. So that was that was your first sighting in quadrupedal mm-hmm. mode. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So keep it going. What was uh so you met Will and then had that later. So he's the one that yeah. actually put you on to the area. No, you had been up to that river before. You're you're from right yeah. around in that area, aren't you? Oh yeah. Yeah, I've been familiar with it. I mean doing doing the work that I do, you know, uh forestry work. That's yeah. uh, I'm I'm all over this area. So. Well, in, in saying that, folks, uh, I probably give a little bit of background on Stephen. Stephen does work in the forestry department in the logging industry, and so he is out there quite a bit. So that gives him a prime mm-hmm. opportunity to to learn the woods and to know what's you know going on. And that was one reason I reached out to him, and it has given him a lot of opportunities because we're going to get into some more of his experiences, which are interesting real interesting but that will explain to y'all how he has had so many uh, experiences that he's had is because he is out there all the time Mm -hmm. and and that makes a that makes a big difference Uh, for for me uh, it's it's been a few years that i've really uh i've really gone at this more actively than than i have in the past it was uh for me probably around 2012 i finally just went ahead and came to terms with the fact that yes, they're here and they do exist, you know, it's uh, after that first sighting, I tried to convince myself I'd seen a bear, but there was no way that that was a bear. It just uh, when you've seen when you've seen both of them cross the road in front of you, uh, it's there's there's an obvious difference oh, between yeah. the two. Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's uh, I guess that's another thing, you know, with William. He's uh, William now. We William he's retired. So he has a, he has a lot of free time to go go out and check up on reports and stuff like that, and he's worked he's worked uh, that area in Falk. You know he's uh, that's something he's been looking into for forty years. Yeah, absolutely for him. Uh, great guy, uh, folks. Yeah. When y'all when y'all hear some of his stories and get to meet him, most of y'all in the crypto community knows William Lunksford, but just just a great guy. Yeah. yeah, you know, I guess the other thing to add is, uh, for me anymore, every day that I go to work and I come back home, or when I get when the work day's done and I kind of I have a little bit of free time to go ride around and look, you know, I'm I'm looking, uh, I'm looking for tree manipulations uh-huh. of some sort, and that's William and I. We we've had a lot of encounters. We've had several sightings, uh, and this is why we, I think it plays a, a large part into why we're, why we've had the success that we've had because of what we're looking for. You know, it's just like if, if you want to go squirrel hunting, or if you find a place where you can find where acorns have been cut or pine cones have been cut, yeah, you, you know you're going to have squirrels in that area. If you're deer hunting, if you're looking and you find hook bushes, if you find scrapes, you know you're going to have deer in that area. And nobody's going to argue with you about it. Absolutely. If you find tree bows, you find tree breaks, uh, snaps, X's, all this other stuff that goes along with it, well, your target species is going to be in that area sooner or later. They may not be there at that moment, but they're going to be back through. Absolutely. Uh, That's been probably one of my biggest... uh, um, push for people you know of course you know that i'm a tracker anyways mm-hmm. and, yeah. and I, I tell people all the time you know that they 
most people just has a random sighting but these things have patterns they have things that they do and once you learn those patterns you become i would say uh, uh quintessentially more successful you know people that don't yeah. concentrate on learning the track systems learning what they do and and just concentrate more on like the the vocals and the and the tree knocks and stuff but there's a lot of sign out there that that of course there is a lot of sign too that is mistaken and and you've yeah. been in the forestry department yeah. like you know about blowdowns and how crazy it can get mm-hmm. in arkansas and oklahoma with the winds that yeah. we have but the, but yes. there we was just talking before we came on air about the, the what you call a big boy trail, which I've seen yeah. that multiple times. And we was talking mm-hmm. in in uh, Hanobia uh, about the whole barbed wire thing, and we'll get on that here in a second. Yeah. But but uh, it, it's so funny that what you were saying. Uh, I was talking to Paul Ragsdale earlier today, and another great guy, one of one of my yes, oh he is one Good of guy. my closest closest brothers i just i just love him to death but oh yeah we was laughing about how the more you learn uh, about the the target species and their behaviors the more i'm finding out just like in my research area which is i mean realistically not very far from you you know probably 100 miles yeah. uh yeah. they've been there the whole time and we just didn't know it yes you're, you're absolutely right it, it, that's a <laughs> they've been running around our our area down there for uh, the whole time and then the, the more i know the more i'm finding out that the talking to guys like you you know uh th- that these patterns are forming and it's like holy crap and you can remember in your past of of you know stuff i can remember i don't know how many times we'd be out coon hunting in your area uh well i mean you was talking about lake greason and be yeah. coon hunting on the on the south side of lake greason and the old coon dogs would run back to the truck with the tail in between their legs <laughs> and you you couldn't figure out because you know your dogs you know your dogs don't yeah. do that you know unless it's a cat or something else and there are cats down there but and then you hear start hearing the stinking tree snaps crack 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 yeah. and it's like what in the world you know <laughs> oh yeah 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 you go to hearing the things go <laughs> you go to hearing those tree breaks it sounds like an alt six going off and it's <laughs> yeah and and your uncle which has been born and raised down there looking at you get the dogs in the truck we're going somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. 12 years old, going, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a there's a reason why dogs booger bark. <laughs> I promise you, man. It's uh, and and that's probably one of the most common things you know I've heard people talk about now. Right here, you know the well, the dogs they were just out there booger barking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the dog knows there's something out there, and it it it's it's either smart enough. It's not brave enough to go out there and check it out. Absolutely. And everybody wonders why I have my dog with me, you know, 90% yeah. of the time, you know, because they've they got a lot better senses than we do. Yes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that uh, that uh, is quite exceptional. So you was, uh, I, we got kind of sidetracked, you know, you was talking about the, the trails and stuff. Yeah. Uh, why don't we, uh, well, we could roll into that here in a minute. Let's just go through some of your, uh, if you don't mind, go through some of your experiences. I know you was telling me some in Hanobia. Uh, you've got a bunch of them because I didn't, we got you off of your flow. Just kind of give us a background on, you know, some of the stuff that you've seen and what you found over in that area because that's what everybody's curious about is, like I said, everybody knows about Broken Bow and Hoochatown and Hanobia, but let, let's, let's move a little bit farther east across the state line, like you said, which is only, what, 30 miles? 40 yeah 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 it's uh, you know it's 13 miles to between 13 and 20 miles you know so i, I mean I, 
Oklahoma is just uh, just a short, very short trip for me. Absolutely, and you know these things aren't going to stop at the state line and go. Well, we ain't going over there. There's a bunch of hillbillies over there. You know, they're <laughs> they're going to move all the way across there. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. For me, I've, uh, I've I've seen several. You know, sometimes I uh, sometimes for me, you know, with the uh, with the number of creatures that I've seen, that's uh, I feel like I'm either really blessed or cursed. Or, Cursed, <laughs> however you want to look at it, you know. And I mean, there, you know, there are some people that kind of question it, you know. And if you uh, just come out and admit that you've seen uh, double digits, <laughs> or you, you've seen more than ten creatures in your life, but part of it is um, in the area where I live at, man. It's a, I'm I'm actually able to pattern these things. I know. Yeah. I know when they're going to be here. I know what part of the year they're fixing to move out for a couple of months, and and know when they're going to come back. But I, I mean, talking about the creatures, it's a the the biggest one that I've seen is a I want to say it was at least eight feet tall, and and the fact that it was eight feet tall is not the part that bothered me about it. What bothered me about it was the width of the shoulders. Shoulders. Yep. <laughs> We've discussed this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, if anybody's familiar with cattle and they know what about a year and a half old heifer looks like, from her front leg to her back leg, that would be about the width of the big one's shoulders. So you're talking was, four foot plus. Yes. Yes. It was, I didn't, I didn't, I saw the thing. I was actually in my vehicle when I saw the thing, and simply seeing the thing, it caused me to lose sleep uh, that that year. Absolutely, it was it after seeing that one. Even though I had seen seen creatures before, it was it was at least three months or longer before I even told my wife that I had seen the thing. It that one just shook me. The sheer size of it. Absolutely. I mean, it was it, it was one that just absolutely troubled me. I mean, because of something that size, if, if it wants to tear the roof off your house. It's going to do it. It's going to do it. I yeah. mean, you're, I don't care if you have a 30 out 6 or what you've got. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's going, I don't know how effective it would actually be with that one. Absolutely. It is definitely a life changing experience once you lay your eyes lay eyes on a big one, on a big meal. Yes. Yeah. I mean most of the time most to be honest, most of what I have seen, they've actually been in between five and seven feet tall. That's that, that was really I, I don't know, I figured that one probably would have had to have been an alpha. It was uh and it is one of the types where basically you could barely see the 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 bump where its head was you know i mean it wasn't a, wasn't a clear, real clear it had its back to me yeah uh if you've seen the uh if you've seen the banner you've seen the uh the banner that michael waldy had done for his for the texas bigfoot rangers basically that right there is pretty much pretty close actually <laughs> with, with with the shape of one of those big ones and i mean we've we've got a picture of the, the mama carrying the baby and she's the same type yeah and well, and I mean the the different taps. I mean, just like the one I showed you a picture of, and you, I, I believe you thought it looked pretty close to the, what you saw in Oklahoma. Oh, it, it dang sure did. It really did. You know, and that and that's a different looking 
Bigfoot, at least in the face, because there's no hair around the eyes. Mm. The the hairline comes down to kind of like a widow speak, like Eddie Munster, you know, from mm-hmm. the from that old show. And the nostrils look more. The nose has more of a gorilla yep. look to it than these other ones. The other ones, you know, they have more of a a caked type nose with downturned nostrils. They, they just have a different look. You know, and 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 people that that kind of address two things right quick. People that that let's go back just a little bit. People that would question. Uh, I have a hard time with people that would question somebody in your line of work and in your, uh, you know, where you're at because you do work for the forestry department. You're out there twenty four. You know, you're there's days you're out there eighteen hours a day. Yeah, and. You're in their environment. Well, you know, when I talk to hunters, they're like, oh, I've been hunting 30 years and, and I haven't seen one. And I ask them, I said, well, how long do you hunt? Do you hunt during season or do you hunt year round? Well, of course, I just hunt during deer season. So what you're telling me yeah. that you're hunting maybe three months out of the year and you're going out every day, every weekend and when you're off yeah. of work. I said, you take somebody that lives out there or works out there, and the amount of time spent out there makes it quintessentially more dramatic because you're in their environment. Mm-hmm. You see those patterns. That's the reason I love interviewing anybody in the forestry department, anybody in the in the game rangers, if you can get them to speak with you, anybody in the parks department. So in saying that, when you know when people question the number of sightings that you have, a lot of it, folks, is when – and I don't want to get into the, the, the whole crazy side of this, but when you've seen one, it becomes literally obsessive to you. I mean, yes. it takes over your mind. So every time you're in the woods, you start looking. You literally, your head's on a swivel. And mm-hmm. any of you serious researchers know this. It, it And as you do this, you start learning. You start, just like we was talking about, most researchers, I'll say. You know, there's some out there that just just don't care. But you start learning the patterns and learning what to look for. You can't not do this for a while unless you're just totally closed-minded and not learn the patterns. So that makes it where you Mm -hmm. see them even more. And the whole population thing. I think we've got a higher population in Oklahoma and Arkansas and northern Texas and Louisiana than people think. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. There's a – for for me in – here in southwest Arkansas, I've, I've, I've either had sightings or I've had encounters in five different counties here in Arkansas. Yeah. And in two counties in Oklahoma, uh, McCurtain County and LaFleur County. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, you know, that, that's seven counties right here in this area. And the counties, of course, the counties in Oklahoma, they're they're huge. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, it's a, not not only my encounters. I've had other people, you know, uh, who've shared their encounters, what they've seen. Uh, it, um, it's there's just a, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, they're they're, they're everywhere. That's why I should fix say they're all over down there. I mean, they're yeah. And and we and folks, we don't know. I mean, there's there's always speculative uh, theories about you know we don't know how much these guys range. Uh, you know, I think they're capable. I mean, a, a 
literally a, a mountain lion or a black bear will range anywhere from 100 to 500 square miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, these things can, if they can cover, uh, I know they can cover ground because if you're eight feet, well, we're, we're fixing to get right on that second point that I was going to bring up. If you're eight feet tall, you're taking a six to seven foot stride. If the math is right, mm-hmm. depending on the, yes. uh, basing it upon a human's stride, mm-hmm. that means they're taking two to three times. We're taking two to three steps and they're one. Mm-hmm. Yes. We, we don't know, and and everybody, just like you was talking about quadrupedal, and every, and everybody that's seen one, they move so much different than it's. They're just a whole different nature of the beast. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, they are. And even some of these, uh, William and I, we find some trackways. We, uh, I'm not, I'm not really. A, I don't know. I've learned a little bit about trying to follow the tracks and keep up with them. You know, whenever they, because we don't actually have just a whole lot of bare dirt yeah. around here you know it's all a lot of it's either pasture land or it's has timber on it absolutely so a lot of times what you're going to find your tracks that you're going to find you know they're either going to be impressions in the pine straw or they're going to be impressions in the leaves or impressions in the grass and even with some of these that have only leave an 11 inch track or say a 12 and a half inch track uh the steps that they take i kind of have to jump from one footstep to the next yeah. to match it. I can't I can't stride that far. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 over six foot tall and I, I can't I can't stretch out <laughs> I can't stretch well, out and match their tracks. Yeah, in, in saying that, uh, here, don't get me on a tirade because I'll get people. I'm a tracker, so I've had to go through classes and biomechanical mm-hmm. classes about the way we walk. Humans walk lazy and walk destructive. We hit mm-hmm. with our heel and spring yes. forward along the the outer ridge of our foot, and mm-hmm. we shorten our stride depending upon the terrain that we're in. Uh, yes. Humans that walk on concrete all day usually trip up in the woods because they don't lift their foot high enough. We subconsciously mm-hmm. do that. Now, somebody like you that walks on all kinds of terrains out in the woods a lot, uh, I've always called it First Nations walking or stalking. Uh, you, mm-hmm. you, as soon as your the terrain changes, you start putting your foot the uh, ball of your foot down first, and especially yeah. if you're sneaking on something, you put the ball mm-hmm. of your foot. Well, if you look at a lot of the videos, and then saying that that makes, if you look at a lot of the videos. From the Patterson-Gimlin film all the way up to the Paul Freeman film, all the way up. Mm-hmm. There's a consistency on how these things move, and they don't walk like a human. No. No, they don't. Uh, but, I mean, they get their leg higher mm-hmm. when they're taking a step. Mm-hmm. They bend their kinda... knee more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when they put their foot down. That's different from how we do it. 90% of the tracks that I have found... And and the reason I know by tracks is, is I don't want to get off into it too much that people can hear mine and Shane's description. But what I call a blowout pressure release when they put you put yeah. your foot down on the hill, it'll literally push the depending on the terrain, push the dirt and the mud or grass forward as you're putting the weight in. If you put your mm-hmm. feet down flat footed, it'll blow out evenly all the way around. And mm-hmm. that's predominantly how these guys do it. They put their yeah. foot down flat. Yeah. And on uh, and on tracks, when we can find the tracks in the uh, in bare dirt, <clears throat> and sometimes in the pine straw or leaves, uh, a lot of times we're able to uh, see that see that mid tarsal break in their foot. 
And that's uh, that, that's something else that we don't have as a human is that is that flexibility in the middle of our foot. Absolutely. And I hate to say this, and, and I don't want to get uh, too many people riled up, but do you know why we don't have that? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Years and years and generations and generations. This is just in my opinion, folks, of foot binding in a shoe. Ah. Uh, yep. If you look at a First Nations, if you look at pictures of First Nations people's tracks from back in the 1920s all the way back to where they didn't have shoes, their feet are flatter, they're wider because the bone structure right. spreads out. Okay, I myself in the past four or five years have gotten back to what I call natural being grounded. We call it in the, in the in the Buddhist and the healing community, and I walk around barefooted ninety percent of the time, and my feet structure have changed in in just a matter of years. Now, if you're <laughs> born in that to where you don't you're not binding your foot. I think that it would definitely make a difference in the structure. I don't. I, I agree with Jeff Meldrum in the point that that the foot structure is different, but I don't think it's. A, and I agree with him that I don't think that it's a bone structure. I think it's tendon and muscle structure. Yeah. Because you go to a. What do you do when you squat down? I mean, what does your foot do? <laughs> kind of go towards the ball of your foot, don't you? That's right, and the heel lifts. Well, we've bound that thing up so much that we're, our feet are not as flexible and as strong. The tendons aren't as something that hasn't. That's the reason you see when you see a lot of these guys climbing, I think they can climb a lot better. If you, mm -hmm. you see them climb on the side of a cliff, you'll literally, in the tracks, you'll just see the toes and, and digging in. I think their toe structure is strong enough that they can support their body. With, well, look at a ballerina. Yeah, yeah, they can do that. Yeah, uh, you see, you got me off on something. I'm supposed to be listening to you, and you got me talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I enjoy conversations. <laughs> but, yeah, it, uh, I, I enjoy talking to folks that, that has been out there, and, and there's a lot of them. There's, you know, I'm finding that there's a lot of researchers like us that's, that's, that's been out there and got an open mind and, and looking at these things, and, and the the work community itself is, is starting to open up, and that, that's mm -hmm. a good thing. But, uh, yes, yes, it is. That, that's something I'm I'm looking forward to. And I mean, uh, William and I, we have some stuff, and someday we're gonna, someday sooner or later, we're gonna we're gonna bring it. We'll we'll bring it out. Folks, you know, I know. Uh, Stephen so I know and William has got good. some good stuff. <laughs> what little I've seen of it, I've seen some of Williams on his, and for I've known William about three, four years now, and I've seen some of Stevens. They've got some good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing, you know. Sometimes I kind of hate holding on to this, you know. Whenever we can, uh, we can be putting it out. But you know, it's uh, I, I believe there, there's enough evidence out there. I mean, William and I, we're not the only ones, you know. Shane and Randy and Chris and Dan, they have some, they have some really good stuff. Oh yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to meet Shane in 2017, you know, the first time, and and I mean, he was a he he was a really really nice, you know, and he was uh, gracious enough to share with me some of the, some of what he had there with him, you know, on his phone, and I, I shared with him uh, one of the pictures I had, and he was able to see what was in the picture, you know, and it's a it's on on that particular picture that that's one that was actually up in a tree. Yes, and uh, and Shane he has a he has 
<laughs> I don't want to give anything away, but I mean, he has a he has a still shot out of a video he has of one up in the tree, and it's uh, I, I think it's proof of something. Oh yeah, I say that. Oh yeah, uh, you know that. Well, I think it was you that I was discussing with earlier, and no, it was actually a big dog was discussing about uh, pictures and evidence and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and we have put people on death row and put people to death for less evidence than what has been brought to the subject about this target species. But nobody wants to recognize it. Yeah, people don't want to recognize it. You know, I mean, that that's that's the thing. You know, it's uh, with, with me, if somebody's going to share with me their encounter, share with me what they've seen, uh, I, I really appreciate that. And I enjoy getting to meet people who are, who are the same mindset that we are that these creatures are real and that they've seen something and their eyewitness testimony to me is just as good as the eyewitness testimony that would be used in a court of law to convict somebody of a crime or to let somebody go free because they weren't guilty of a crime. Absolutely. You know, eyewitness testimony has always been used. It's always been reliable. Uh, you know, not in, not in, not, not, not every case, you know, but I mean, yeah, but you know, you, you can kind of figure out the, you, you can figure out the people who are, I don't know, I honest, I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's where a lot of the problem that we get into here is a, there, the, the, the subject matter itself has a tendency to bring on a lot of embellishment and misconceptions and mm -hmm. uh, and and I've honestly I, I I think I've seen a few times that even interviewing people and and talking to them and listening to the what I call the the pre story to the, the actual sighting and then the you know the four story and the backstory and uh, I think sometimes there are even people that believe they're seeing something in their mind they're literally believing that they're seeing this but it's not. Uh, uh, yeah. that's the reason I, I, I say a lot of the times that the, the sociological and the, and the, the religious teachings of an individual directly correlate to what they interpret from a sighting of the target species. Yeah. I don't knock anybody that thinks these things are interdimensional because it, that no. they literally believe it. Some people do. Mm -hmm. I have not seen it yet. Yeah. I, I mean, as, as far as me, you know, it's, uh. Like we were talking a while ago, it's uh maybe before you started recording. But I'm I'm not gonna argue with somebody who's had a different encounter or they have a different idea as to what these creatures are. If their idea is different from mine, I mean that's fine. I mean until until we actually prove it, I I mean the arguments I don't know, I, I don't think the arguments need to be there at this moment. They really don't. Uh, until each side has something tangible to bring to the table, we're just mm -hmm. arguing about a belief. Uh, yes. I, I have to, I have to put it that way. Me, I know they exist. I've seen one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'm not going to get into an argument with somebody that's not seen one because you're not going to convince them until something tangible is brought out. Right. But you know, I... there is some tangible stuff that's been brought out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah, that's. Uh... You know, that's, uh, 
you know, with some people, it's a, one of the things I have learned about these pictures that I have, I have several pictures. Um, you know, they, they range in distance anywhere from uh, the picture that I showed you, I, I don't know, probably 30 yards at the most was probably the distance that creature was from me and my son. You know, that day, it was a, we were checking a hog trap, and I have a creek that runs through my place. And we didn't have anything in the hog trap, so I decided to go ahead and take the trail across the creek and go over and look on the other side of the creek. Just We were just riding around. We were just enjoying our afternoon on the four-wheeler. And I got across the creek, and I drove up to a spot just right before I would get to a pinch point on our property in the creek. And there was a tree that was broken, blocking the four-wheeler trail. And I thought, no way, I'm seeing what I'm seeing. And I took a picture. Basically, I was taking a picture of that broken tree. I didn't actually see the creature. I was so focused on that broken tree that I didn't, I wasn't really paying attention, I guess, like I should have been. Mm -hmm. And I got off the four-wheeler, and I took a couple more pictures. And as I was walking around looking at this, looking at where the thing was broke off at, and looking at how it would have been much easier for the tree to have been broken off lower to the ground than where it was at, and I'm just looking at that, trying to trying to understand what I'm seeing. That's that's when my son started telling me. He said, "Come on, Daddy, let's go." He was he was four years old at the time, and I just blew him off the first two or three times. He said, "Come on, Daddy, let's go." And I, I carry a uh, the pistol I take. It's a nine millimeter. I keep it in the case, and most time I don't even put the clip in the gun. I just have it in case yeah. we run into hogs or something like that. Yeah. And he, after he told me that three or four times, he finally slid up on the seat of the four-wheeler far enough that he got my, pulled my gun case out from under the tarp strap on the front rack of the four-wheeler, and he's holding it up to his chest and said, come on, Daddy, let's go. And that's why I was like, okay, we'll, we'll get out of here. And I knew he'd, he'd never done that before, and he, he hasn't done it since. And I knew, I knew something was... I knew I knew something was wrong with him that day. I didn't know exactly what. I don't yeah. know if he saw the thing or, or what. And it was a little bit later on, he had a nightmare that woke him up about some monster that was trying to get in his room to come get him. And I thought, man, i got to go back and look at that picture again. And that's when I finally found it. Found that, found that Bigfoot in the picture, the one I showed you. Yeah. And, and folks, that's... Uh pretty spot on i'm sitting here my hair's crawling just thinking about it i mean that just when yeah and you can even ask steven the, the look on my face when i seen it i was like wow yeah. because it, it, it uh i mean if you have the look at the 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 genetic differentiation and physical character if characteristic differentiation in humans and any species you have black dogs white dogs little dogs brown dogs big dogs the same with humans and everything else we're going to have different physical characterization uh, characterizations across the species and mm -hmm. uh it, it's i just thought it was real weird that the one that you showed me from that area looked a lot like the one that i seen and yeah. it, and that's a common actually kind of a pretty common uh description from that mm -hmm. area yeah yeah, and and what I've seen of those types with that face, 
they're more of a leaner-built creature. Uh, very athletic looking. Yeah, which was weird because, I mean, the one that I seen was, was lean, mm -hmm. but he was massive. His shoulders is, once again, like you was talking about earlier, his shoulders was probably four or four and a half foot. Well, they was wider than the side window of my Chevy pickup. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And it just, and literally, uh, folks, I can sit here and say that as a crow flies, you're probably talking 55, 60 miles from where you yeah. see, where you got yours. That, that would be very, very close to the distance. Yeah. And, uh, but the, he, he was, he was lean built. Now, uh, once again, you was talking about the multiple, you know, sightings of people. I seen one in, uh, Washington state that was built totally different. It was, mm -hmm. it was narrower in the shoulders, but bigger in the hips and legs, almost yeah. like the patty. And, and folks, mm -hmm. when we're talking narrower, we're still talking something massive. I mean, but it's, you're still talking three feet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> most definitely. Yeah. 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 And that, and that's it. And you know, the, you know, the population is, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that the population is increasing. Uh, I mean, we have found, uh, we, we have an area that we call Ground Zero, which is a place where William and I, we've, uh, we, 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 we got quite a bit of stuff from there. And one of the things that I have, it's a, it's a baby, baby track. Oh, wow. You know, I have a dollar bill laid down beside the baby track when I took a picture of it. And that's, that's the same one. I've sent that one to Chris. Reinhardt and I, I, you know Shane, Shane and Randy, they've both seen it, and it's it's between three and four inches long, and I mean that that's a baby. Yeah, yeah, and, and that you know here we go getting on tracks again. But you know I've had so many discussions with folks, and and you being in the position you're in, I'm I'm sure you'll 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 have something to say about this. Uh, and me and Shane has talked about it in depth because of the tracks that he found up in that area, that, you know, the 400 area and me tracking as much. We, we had, and I've talked it over with Joe DeHoy out of South Texas and, and Gabriel, you know, uh, we was talking about Gabriel uh, Gonzalez earlier, talked mm -hmm. with him. Uh, the smaller tracks seem to be more humanoid. Mm -hmm. And people's like, well, they they get mistaken for humans. I, I truly believe that a lot of times folks are actually might have the real deal. Now it goes both ways. I think a lot of times they'll, mm -hmm. they'll see human tracks and think that it's the target species. But then there's a lot of times too, that they think that it's human tracks and it turns out to be the target species for the simple fact <laughs> that they're not having to support the mass as they get bigger is when they when they hit a, a breaking point because if you look at you've been around bears over there where you're at you look mm -hmm. at a uh, say a, a 200 pound black bear which is a fairly decent sized bear you know in your yeah. country they have a certain width mm -hmm. of a foot but when you yeah. get up 400 450 pound black bear his foot's a lot wider oh yeah the physical structure has to change per you know uh, to to carry the mass yes has to. It's a, uh, you know, it's just a uh, <laughs> same thing can happen with people. You know, if they get older and they gain weight, and well, they have to go up in the shoe size. Well, I'm I'm prime example of that. I mean, I have literally went uh, since I blew my hip out when I came back down here three years ago. I've gained almost uh, seventy five pounds 
at one time I was over 100 pounds heavier, and I have went from a 9.5 wide to a 10.5 wide. My length has stayed the same, but my width has gotten bigger, which, mm-hmm. once again, I think is awful funny, the same way with, with the, the Sasquatch. You see a... Yeah. Uh, some, you know, you might see a 16 inch track that's kind of narrow and then you'll see a 16 inch track that's real wide. Well, that, that feller is yeah. probably a lot heavier than the one that's, mm-hmm. and I love how Jeff Meldrum put it. He goes, the biomechanical bone structure does not change as much and as easy because, you know, it won't shrink or grow. Once you reach a certain age, you, you don't grow mm-hmm. no more, yeah. but the physical, the, the, uh, the tendons and the flesh structure will change throughout you know, weight periods and everything else. I mean, and a prime example is uh, I tell people all the time is the bear because during the winter, their tracks are the same individual. Uh, I was tracking in uh, Wyoming. I lived in uh, Rock Springs, Wyoming and Vernal, Utah, which are, you know, like it would be like comparing Hanobia to Dequeen, you know, yeah, uh, just across the mountain. And we, uh, we hunted the same area for years, uh, elk hunting and physically laid eyes on the same brown bear. And he, uh, not brown bear, sorry, black bear. And uh, he, uh, in the wintertime, his tracks got a lot smaller. But the reason we knew it was him is because he had one deformed toe. And then in the in the wintertime, his tracks would get a lot smaller than in the summer, right before he'd roll into fall, you know, when he's bulking up for mm-hmm. hibernation, they'd be a lot bigger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that is true. It's, uh, yeah, with these tracks, I mean, uh, there were some tracks that I found out here in our area, uh, what was it, three weeks ago, where the thing had walked through the uh, bark of where a, a, a landing area was for logging crew, and it, was, it left, it was 15, 16 inch track, and it sunk down into the bark, oh, two, three inches at least. Oh, wow. And well, you know, you know what size I am, and I stepped beside it, and I didn't. You, you would have to be paying real close attention to see where I stepped. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it left a trackway, and going through the bark. In, in saying that, folks, I know we're doing an audio uh, part portion of this. I wasn't able to get the the video going, but I have stood next to Stephen, and I'm a big guy. I'm five ten. I'm three twenty. And I've got big chest, big arms. I used to be, you know, I'm a lot heavier than I used to be. Randy Arrington is my height and massive in the chest. Stephen <laughs> makes us look small. I told Stephen he needed to go put on a Sasquatch suit and we'd chase him through the woods. Because Stephen's a big old boy. What are you, 6'2", six, 6'3"? Six, yeah, yeah. But he's just massive. I mean, even your hand structure is bigger than mine. But, uh, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, your whole point is is whatever made that track had to be in heavy. Yeah, I figure it was at least twice as heavy as me. I'm, I'm, you know, I figure we're talking something that weighs 600 pounds to 700 pounds. Yeah, but th- you think about it, Stephen. That's, I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I wanted to talk about that when you were talking about the width of the shoulders. A mountain gorilla stands four to five foot tall but yet their shoulders are four to five foot wide and and once again this is all in my speculative opinion if you take these things and and everybody does it i mean it's about the only thing that we can actually kind of compare them with according to the sightings if you take a gorilla and stretch him out 
if you did it proportionally, stretch him out to eight feet tall, so you're going to double his height. His shoulders mm-hmm. are going to be six, seven feet wide. Yeah. A four yeah. to five foot tall mountain gorilla is four to five hundred pounds or more. Mm-hmm. So six to seven hundred pounds, if you keep the, the same theory, six to seven hundred pounds on one of these guys, he's been on a diet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I really figured the big one I talked about earlier, I figured it weighed somewhere between 800 and 1,000 pounds. Oh, yeah, yeah. And what's funny is, you know, you're saying big, but you said eight and a half feet tall. Uh, I hear yeah. a lot of folks saying that that's the, the average height. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I've, I've, had, I've, I've had people tell me, of uh, credible people tell me that they've seen them nine and a half to ten and a half feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. In saying that, let's let's jump back on a, a part of the story that you was talking about with, when you was with your son, and you seen that tree uh, broken over. Now, folks, I haven't heard this part of the story, but I know where he's going with this because I've heard it before, not from him, but for other people. How high up do you think that break was? Well, that that particular break there was in between four and five feet. It wasn't just real high. I, yeah. I, I'm guessing it kind of judged it so it could block the block the trail. How big around do you think the tree was? Uh, where it broke it at, it was probably four or five inches. Okay, so it, I mean, it wasn't just a massive tree; it was one just big enough to block my trail. Just, but let me ask you this: Do you think that you could have grabbed a hold of it and broke it as clean as it was broke? No, <laughs> no way. Without breaking it off <laughs> at the ground, I mean. Yeah, I, w- I would have broke it off down at the ground where the weak spot was. Yeah. And that's what I'm getting at. These things are, are consistently reaching over and grabbing a, uh, and I kind of got into that with Shane, even with the small twigs, you know, what I call mm-hmm. a, a lateral pressure break, where they'll just reach a holder and just twist it with the wrist, and it just yeah. pops it. They have enough mm-hmm. torque where we would have to rock the tree back and forth, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it's a... Four or five feet tall. I mean, that's that's probably hitting him right about his hips. So he's just literally yeah. just reaching over, going, "Okay, here, try this out for size, buddy." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And now we we have found uh, we found tree breaks that were you know six seven feet up. Yeah. And you know trees that are probably ten twelve inches. Okay. Yeah. In saying that, now how uh, we was talking before we came live uh, or came on recording. Uh, you was talking about the Big Boy Trail. How far away was that from the Big Boy Trail? Uh, well, I've got one on my pond dam, <laughs> and the other one where that place actually happened. There's a uh, there's a big wide trail uh, that runs parallel to my four wheeler trail. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Why don't you, uh, if you would, please, why don't you kind of describe what you're finding on those trails for folks? Because I'm sure they'll want to hear it. Uh, basically, what it's going to be, it's going to be a trail that you and I can probably walk down side by side. It's a big trail. It's not beat down to bare dirt. You know, I mean, if it had been a deer, you'd have bare dirt and you'd be able to see the, you'd be able to see the tracks in it. If it was cattle, it'd be the same thing. Yeah. But I don't have any cattle on my property. If it's a four-wheeler, it'd be the same way. Yeah, yeah. And where this thing's at, you know, just like the one going off my pond dam, well, I'm, everybody's familiar with where the pond dam is and, and how steep they are. Yeah, and that's where the thing goes down there. And I've, I've, uh, I've, seen, I've, seen, I've seen these creatures three different times on my pond dam. Wow. Yeah, I've seen them, 
I saw one earlier this year, and it was one, I think, about 10 minutes after one. We we got finished eating lunch, and I was putting dirty dishes in the sink, and I looked down there at the pond, and my good night, there's, there was two of them down there. <laughs> and they were young ones. Now, in saying that, folks, we're not going to give away the actual location, but I've actually... Uh, knowing all those hills and stuff over there, me and Stephen was talking to Hanobia and come find out I've I've literally pulled up in his driveway to turn around. Uh, he <laughs> is on the east side of a major road, and his house is a little far, what, 20 yards off the road probably? Yeah, not very far. <laughs> and then once you get past your house, you almost head straight up into the hills. And uh, how far do you think from the back of your house to the the next major metropolis running east? Oh, it's going to be at least 20 miles. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah, at least 20. Yeah, so you've got a lot of woods back there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, and it's, I mean, there's thousands upon thousands of acres when you go that direction where there's no houses. Yeah. And as everybody knows in the community anymore that isolation's not a factor anymore. I mean, I talked to Paul Ragsdale this morning where they're at his house and he's in a, in an urban area, you know, yeah. uh, they're, they're, they're all over. You was talking about the population boom. What, uh, what do you think has contributed to that? Well, I'm, I'm going to say the hogs and we have, we have more deer now than we've ever had. Absolutely. Uh, because of good yeah. management. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's, I remember with some of the guys I used to be, Dad and I used to be part of a hunting club back in the 90s. And I remember some of those guys, they told how it was around here in this area in the 50s and 60s and early 70s. If somebody found a deer track back then, uh, the whole community would go out to look at it. Right. Be because the deer were that rare in this area. Wow. And yes, that, that's how bad it was. And now we have uh, we have hogs everywhere. We have deer everywhere, uh, coons, uh, possums, you name it. I mean, there's 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 plenty, plenty of plenty of food source out there for these creatures to stay healthy on. Absolutely, and and I think part of the factor of that is you know the we have a population wise more people, but there there we're not as many people hunting as we used to everybody's buying mm -hmm. stuff yeah. and of course good management also has played a part uh, I, matter of fact he's down there at falc area uh game ranger uh talked to him extensively for about two years and i think he just retired but uh, the, the management is getting so good the hunt you know the wildlife management that the, the that like you said the uh our predators are growing population is growing and the prey because of the management yeah. of the properties Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you have uh, you have fewer people hunting now than you used to have, I believe. Absolutely. Uh, you know, people just you know a lot of a lot of the land is leased up anymore, and uh, it's so expensive to lease property to deer hunt on that. My goodness, you can go to the store and buy beef cheaper. 
absolutely that's what i was just fixing to say you don't have the substance hunting that down in this area that you do now you get up around montana wyoming and you know the northwest and and there is some substance hunting here but but per capita of of population that's not near as bad as it was back in the even up until the you know me and you're about the same age and we was talking about that in the Hanobia. uh you know me becoming raised up down in that country you know y'all didn't even get electricity down there until the the <laughs> 70s yeah and didn't have half of the houses didn't have indoor plumbing until the 80s mm-hmm. dang sure yeah. didn't have telephones until the 80s and 90s There's yeah, there are a lot of areas in here where they they didn't even have electricity until thirty thirty four years ago. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So in saying that, you know, the substance hunting that whole uh, mentality and stuff of that generation Mm -hmm. has has kind of faded away. And like you said, we don't we don't have as many hunters. We still have a lot of hunters. Don't take me wrong, Mm -hmm. but it's more sport hunting. Yeah, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of people, you know, they're they're out there. They go pick up their spot and they'll set their stand up and they'll bait something in. Yeah, and they're not they're not off walking through the woods and observing everything that's out there. Absolutely. And in saying that, here we go. We're going to jump right down this rabbit hole. These rascals are intelligent enough. They're going to wait until the hunter leaves, and then he, they're going to go over to the bait station and sit right there, and here comes a deer. Boom, they get it. Here comes a hog. Boom, they, they get it. Yep. So it's easier, I think, for the target species now to to mm-hmm. procure foot substance than it than it was. Oh, yeah, especially especially during that time because, uh, it's, you know, people, they're going to be putting all kinds of attractants out for the deer. Yes. So, I mean, it's, it'd be, I'm sure for them, it'd be about as easy as dumpster diving. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. And, and it's so funny that you say that. Me and uh, I got to give uh, credit to uh, Shane Church and uh, Brian Hoolan and Kendall Bray and all the guys at the SBA. We spent pretty serious uh, about two years down in uh, the uh, Kaimishi Game Preserve area and Broken Bow area. And uh, you could definitely tell the difference in private land hunting than the public land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, pub, and you could tell the difference in the deer populations on the private land compared to the, the public land hunting. Just little things that we was discussing that, uh, you know, folks was was not taking into factor. They just run around them roads and stuff. Well, we would be mm-hmm. like, hey, let's go over here. We know there's some private land over here, so there's probably some feeders. Let's, let's go over and check this area out. And we'd have yep. a little bit of activity over there. Mhm. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's uh, a yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely a lot of road hunters. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, oh. in saying that, you know, you was you was talking about you know the population boom and all that, and you said something about the hogs. You know, down in South Texas, everybody knows about you know Sam Houston National Forest and all that, but we're having the the population boom of the hog. They call it the hog bombs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think has a direct correlation with with everything else. I mean, because nature is nature; it, it, it's been proven scientifically throughout generations that when you have a uh, shortage of prey animals, you have a shortage of predators. When you have, yes. and I think that that has, how would we say, directly affected the population of the target species in your area, stretching all the way up to mine. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I, I believe so too. You know that would it, it has to. I mean, if the if the resources are not out there for them to support 
their their family unit, which I, I kind of tend to think that they that they operate in a family a family type unit or a troop, if you want to call it that. Yeah. You know, where you've got the uh, there there may be there may be four or five or in in this particular area that we've been working, I think there's probably eight to ten. Oh wow! Yeah. So uh, I mean, there's a there's one of them out there. There's there's one big one out there. It, it has a, about an 18-inch track, and it's about eight and a half or so wide. Wow. Yeah. I've got it, to find, I'm pretty sure it was Mr. Meldrum, kind of put a formula together on the length and width, and you could do a little math, and it would give you the height and mass. But uh, that's, a, that's a big boy. That's the big alpha, I bet you. Yeah. That's what we think, and most of the time that one wasn't the one that came around uh, uh-huh. snooping around our area, you know, messing with the messing with the stump and stuff like that. <laughs> no, it's usually, and that's what I was telling Shane the other day. Uh, usually, the you know, in reports, you know, all ever this is all speculative, folks. You know, we're not living mm-hmm. with them, uh, right. but usually when they kind of hang off by themselves, and then usually when they come around, it's it, it's business time. Even with a gorilla troop, it's that way. Yeah, yeah, and we we and I, we we think that we have uh, we, we're we're pretty confident that we saw an example of him getting mad. Uh, William carried uh, somebody else out there with him because, you know, when he, which I don't blame him, uh, he'd gone out there by himself. He didn't want to go out there by himself, so he carried a, so he carried a, a young man with him. Mm-hmm. And after he carried that young man with him and they went down this trail where we'd had a bunch of tracks, and I'll go ahead and tell later my, yeah. <laughs> how I messed all that trail up. But uh, he carried this young man with him and... After, I think he carried the, carried the guy in there with him on a Monday. And when William and I got back out there on Wednesday, the trail that we'd been walking in on, uh, there were there were trees thrown down in the trail, tops thrown down in the trail. I mean, you could tell that wasn't real happy about that stranger coming in there. That's another commonality that, that you hear yeah. all over the nation. And yeah, that's interesting. And uh, and I, after that, uh, we thought, well, we, I mean, the thing was just covered up with tracks. I mean, we you couldn't, they weren't clear, real good tracks like what Shane and them have, you know, those really good casts. But it was impressions in the bark, yeah, that you could see. It's kind of wet, holding water, and it's muddy up underneath the bark and stuff. And I mean, just covered up with tracks. And I put a game camera up on a tree about seven feet high, and I had it tilted where anything that walked down that trail that would pick it up. Well, Gary, they quit using that trail when I put that camera out. I would believe that. Um, once again, I, <laughs> the intelligence. I, I, I killed that trail. Yep. <laughs> and then I guarantee you, you probably pull the camera and give it about a week, they'd start using it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people laugh at me when I say this, but I'm like, folks, if I walk into your living room and move your TV six inches or I move your yeah. wallet six inches, you're going to know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're go- they know these areas. That's what, they're tra- that's what they do. They don't have the uh, distractions that we have in technology and stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean it's just like a person. If they're, they're out there surviving every day off the land. 
they're far more familiar with it than those of us who live in a house and go visit the woods. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, as far as trying to sneak in, I figure uh, I always wear... I always wear blue jeans, and yep. part of the time I have a high vis shirt on. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not after. <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's just it. I, I honestly don't think by the time I drive in there to the spot, they've already heard me. Yep. long before I ever got yep. there. Uh, I I quit trying to do the the sneaking in. You know, I'll go in quietly. I'm not going to make a bunch of noise yeah. going in, but I'm going to go in like I'm just out acting normal, you know, walking. Yeah. Of course, I walk, you know, I'm crippled up, so I walk slow anyway, which mm -hmm. helps dramatically in the tracking, folks. Slow mm -hmm. is good with tracking and observing. Yes. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't go in with a ghillie suit and stuff on. You know, I, I just, yeah. I think they, they, they to me, Unless it's like during deer season or something like that, then I'll do that for the simple fact that everybody else is doing it. Mm -hmm. But these things are real, and and that's what I love about you know talking with you and Will down there at Hanobia and talking with Randy and them is is y'all are noticing these patterns and these these things love the patterns and they love the the interaction where they're comfortable if you go in and they know what you're going to do while you're there they're going to be more apt to come up instead of just coming in there randomly and and mm -hmm. having something crazy go on you know uh, the comfort level is a lot better when you have a, a pattern that you're setting up with yeah it's uh, i guess the only thing that i really didn't make a pattern whenever i go into our ground zero area is uh most of the time with william he would uh William, he has a call that he does, and I have a call that I do when I go out there. And most times, if I'm going there and I'm going to put anything out, or if I'm going to check the check my rocks on the stump, see if they've been messed with. If they've been messed with, I'm going to set them back. And whenever I leave, I usually do a call to let them know, hey, I've been here. Yeah. And, of course, sometimes, I mean, I was I was so certain that they were already there watching me that, I didn't do anything. I just I just go ahead and leave. But the only thing I would do different is sometimes I would drive out a different direction. I wouldn't always drive out. I wouldn't always drive out the exact same yeah. way that I came. Yeah, but you you still kept it within two to three routes. Yeah. I'm sure. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's so funny with with the situation at our research area. Uh, we have a certain uh, things that we do religiously you know like with the garden mm -hmm. and stuff like that and that and that has been done on this property for well since 44 after world <laughs> war ii because that's how long the people that's involved in it now has been there and uh, they've passed that that same deal down generation to generation you know and it's the same patterns the same garden pattern the same the gardens yeah. in the same spot the the food lots in the same spot and uh, it's it's so hilarious that, that when we got down there and got to looking, and w here we go right back around full circle on these trails, we found some big boy trails, and I've got some good pictures of them. But the same same thing uh, from, say, mid-waist up, you can see stuff broke off, up yep. to four to five feet wide. But when you get down low, mm -hmm. there's no trail at all. The grass, I've never really seen the grass over waist high in them. Yeah. But yet when you look 
and grass will be, or even in the brush, it'll be, you know, all around, but it's like cleaned out. And they, they use the same, and like you said, it runs parallel with the, I think I showed you some of those pictures at Zenobia, uh, the parallel with the deer trails, the parallel with our trail that we run around the property checking fences, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just so funny how you're having the same activity that I'm having, but of course we're not that far apart, but yeah. <laughs> in, in saying that, I, I've got to ask you, I know I asked you in Hanobia and you just kind of chuckled and your eyes twinkled at me. The the whole barbed wire thing, man, I, I, I thought that was just a isolated incident. With, I'm sitting over here grinning like a possum with two grapes. But uh, the the top, two top rows of barbed wire being twisted together. What's your theory on that? <sighs> man. I know you've seen it. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I've I've I've, I've actually seen that a bunch. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if they do that so the little ones can just go ahead and step across like Mama or Daddy does. Because with a Bigfoot, when they step across a fence, they just step across it like we would step across a cinder block. Yeah, that, yeah. That's how they cross them. And you know the the little ones, you know, that are three or four feet tall. You know, I mean. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of speculating here. I haven't haven't seen it. I haven't. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, and, and you explain it. You explain it a little bit more. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention a name that, and I don't care what people think. Uh, he's kind of a mentor of mine. He's he's always a lot of folks say that that. He says what he says because he says it. Well, he's never shot me wrong. I mean, he's always shot me a straight answer, whether I wanted to hear it or not, and whether I liked it or not. And I've got a lot of respect for the man for that, but a man by the name of Jim Bear King. Okay. Yeah. And I asked him about that, and he said he had seen that his whole life. And yeah. I said, well, what about deer trying to jump through the fence or trying to jump the fence? Uh, yeah, that would and and getting caught in the fence and it, it twisting that wire like that he goes gary he said uh how long have you been around the country and i said my whole life you know out in the country he goes how many deer have you seen hung up in a fence i said not very many he says let me ask you something if, if you got a and and bear I, I apologize if i if i'm not quoting this right if you hear this but it's been a few years he said, uh, usually when a deer gets hung up in the fence, if they get their leg out, the fence will turn back. Ah, yeah. He mentioned what brought it up to me is he had mentioned, uh, I'm per uh, I know it was him that said that they would drive down the road and they would see these trails like this with that top wire twisted over. And that's what got me thinking about it. Well, we got to looking on our property and... In line with the big boy trails, you see the top wires twisted over on these fences. And that's the reason I ask everybody. I'm not saying that it's not deer. I'm not saying that it's not dogs. I'm, I always ask the people that's on the property, are y'all doing that so you can get into... Because you'll see that done sometimes so people can get over the fence yeah. to, uh, and yeah. just like you said, get over the fence to a fishing pond or something. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, some of these are not not in a fishing pond. Uh, yeah. Matter of fact, I seen one at a certain uh, site that Mr. Will Lungsford took us to down in Falk, Arkansas, years ago. Mm -hmm. That that the trail was, <laughs> and I told you about that right there in front of Will, and Will just yeah. laughed because yeah, he goes, "You're right." Um, yep. 
I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it sure seems to be a commonality that with these these types of trails. And folks, if you have a different theory on it, be it, please feel free to to uh, do it respectfully. But you know, disagree with us. You know, uh, we're all here. Just this is all speculation. But in my opinion, I I honestly think that it has something to do with the target species because I've seen mm -hmm. some correlative evidence that it is over the the years that I've been in the woods which is yeah. more than some and less than most like years. You've been in the woods a lot more than I have in the last few years, but, but yeah, well, it's bad. I, I, I have seen that out in, out in the middle of the woods where it wouldn't make any sense for a, a human to do it. Yeah. Uh, the, the only other thing that I can think of would be like, a, like I said, a, a deer trying to jump through a fence or something, but you figure there would be hair there. Mm -hmm. or, or just like Bear said, you know, he goes, 90% of the time, if they get hung up, they're going to get hung there unless yeah. predators pulled them out. He goes, if they get their legs out, the, the wire will usually spin back around, you know. Yeah. It's it just, it's an intriguing subject to me. And pe mm -hmm. a lot of people, once I tell them that, they're like, you know, I've seen that a bunch too. And Yeah. Yeah, with the, uh, with the barbed wire, yeah, I've, I have definitely seen that. Yeah. Is that something else you know to add add to it and maybe pay more attention to it next time I do see it? Well, here's another factor that uh, another individual brought in, and uh, I uh, I gotta I gotta give him credit for it, and that's uh, Mr. Michael Waldy mentioned yeah. something about you know a lot of times horses and cattle, the grass is always greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. tilting their head down over a fence and he said that he thought that you know that could have uh uh you know spun the wires and i said you know i could see that but yeah. with these trails uh, the correlation in between the two to me is just uh real interesting real interesting mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah it is yeah, without a doubt you know it's a lot of times you know you'll a lot of times <clears throat> With it, you know, it's uh, I'm thinking about you know barbed wire fence have been up for a while, and you know, and it's 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 already been stretched out and kind of sagging down in places and stuff, you know. So, you know, maybe it was cows leaning over, and they were eventually just stretching the wire. But yeah, you know, I don't know near as much about cattle as I do trees. So. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and and there there's another factor there too, you know. Uh, maybe a tree but half the time you know usually the tree's still there maybe a tree fell over on it and it it happened yeah. i mean there and i might be looking into bringing something in on nothing you know but it might be a correlation of a lot of things but it to me yeah. it just i had a guy mention to me that you talking about the stretching of the wire you know a lot of times to fix fence they'll they'll do that to to uh stretch the wire and i'm like okay 90 percent of the time if they do that they do it with a stick the yeah. stick would stay in the wire until it rotted mm -hmm. out but the that central loop and it, it would still be there it would still be there and there'd be multiple twists well a lot of the ones mm -hmm. i'm seeing it's just a thing it's just like you you grab the middle just like we would do crossing the fence to go fishing yeah yes uh, it just i just i don't know you know it's it's intriguing mm-hmm yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, what you're talking about is whenever the the top strand of wires hung up on the the strand below it, or maybe the strand below that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I want to get into uh, you was talking a little bit later about another sighting you had. I want to kind of get touch base on that because I think if this is the one, I think it is. This is the one that really got me thinking. Uh, you was talking about the uh, uh, the sighting at night. 
Uh, yeah, I have a. Uh, oh, okay. You talking about the uh, the video that we have? Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. This is the one that you was alluding to earlier, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. We William and I we we were together. Uh, we had a. Uh, we started out. Uh, my youngest daughter and one of her friends was actually with us. And uh, we got out and doing some calls, which is, which is, which is, that's another reason why William and I, we know, we know, uh, we know quite a few places because we go out and we do calls yeah. that, and calls work. Uh, <laughs> no matter what people tell you, calls work. Uh, and we'd actually got an answer and uh, my wife had called and my father-in-law was sick. She had to take her mother to the, to the hospital. Uh, and so we had to bring the girls back home so they could watch, uh, watch, watch Mox. Yeah. Son. And when we went back out there, I, in my mind, I didn't, I didn't say anything to William. I thought, well, I'm fixing to drive over here closer to where I saw the call. And we got over there in the area where the call came from. And when we got out there, uh, William, he did a few calls and we're kind of, Shining the lights around, and the light that I like to carry it's a 1500 lumen flashlight. Yeah. But it's only, but it's only going to shine light things up for a little over 100 yards. Uh, I mean, it's bright, but it it only goes for so far. And we uh, we saw eyes shining out there at Ground Zero, which is if I ever carry you out there, if I carry anybody else out there, I mean, I, we showed it to Mary Bowen, which is. Michael and Michael and Mary, you know, they're research partners yeah. together. And uh, basically, it's a cutover, but it, to somebody that didn't know it, if you got out there at night, you think, well, this is just a field <laughs> because of all the broom sage grass and everything out there that's grown up since the trees have been cut. And we saw the eye shine, and there were three sets of eyes out there in that clean cut. And I knew the ground, I knew the terrain, and I knew they were down below the down a little bit lower than the top of the ridge that goes up there. And we were standing up on the road and where they were at, uh, we were pretty sure what we were looking at was one that's probably seven feet or taller, but one set of eyes. Then there's another set of eyes behind it. And what I didn't capture in the video, but there was a third set of eyes out there that was probably only about four feet off the ground. Oh, wow. Yeah, there were three of them out there. And it's in that video there they they stayed out there for a long time and i stepped it off i went that was on a friday night december 21st and i went back on a sunday and i stepped it off because i wanted to know how far it was out there because my that wouldn't light them up it took william spotlight to actually get the eye shine which folks that thing is crazy yeah it'll hurt you <laughs> yeah and uh it, it was it was somewhere between 185 and 225 yards, roughly. Wow. That's how far away they were. In our video, I took that video with my phone. So that that should give everybody a better idea of just how big the eyes were that we were looking at. Uh, if you see the see that video, you go on my channel. And, yes. Uh, <clears throat> but when the, the thing that got me, it's in, a, it's in one of the videos, whenever I'm videoing this, and the eyes changed colors, but that got me. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I was, I was, I was not expecting that. 
And uh, when those eyes change colors, he did a cat call, <laughs> and the eyes change colors. And it's kind of like, oh, boy. <laughs> and, and, folks, in saying this, I have never been even remotely on the fence about uh, self-illuminating eyes or eyes changing colors until I talked to Stephen and started doing some research. And I think this was part of one of our first conversations almost a year and a half ago. And, uh, uh, and folks, I've, I've known Stephen for a little while, you know, talking to him through the SBA. And, uh, but I started doing some research on it and it, there's lots of proof of eyes changing colors. Uh, there's lots of, uh, you ask any photographer, uh, they'll take a, a, a shot from a camera on a human and one, one shot will be normal reflection. The next shot will be red, but I, I tried to use that to explain this. Well, in saying that, when talking to Stephen and getting to know Stephen, and, and of course, knowing Will for as long as I have, I, I have no, you have to build up a personal rapport with these people and, and know, to me, a person's credibility it means a lot to me. And, and knowing these guys and listening to this story and listening to the impressions, I'm starting to get on. I'm, I'm I'm starting to climb up the fence about them being able to change the. Uh, maybe it's just changing the angle of the eye or something. Or or there's something going on there because there's too many stories that's backing this up. Not just with Stephen and and Will, but with lots of other people. And like I said, I've I probably got one foot and one hand grabbing hold of the top of the fence. Uh, it's it's interesting. Yeah, it is, and I have a, a friend of mine, Todd, uh, Todd Jurassic. He's, uh, I believe, that he's uh, seen something very similar to that up around Honeybee. So, and he's not the only one. I mean, there are other people who have reported this, and it's with me. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, it, uh, <laughs> it's, it's it, uh, excuse my French, but it's damn sure eerie. Yeah, uh, yeah, without a doubt. I, uh, I have. I thought it was, once again, I thought it was an owl, you know, yeah. years and years ago, before I even thought about Bigfoot, mm -hmm. we was uh, actually searching for cattle on the backside of the property. I had a, a, a 78 Ford with one of the police uh, where you, it stretches inside, you know, through the bar and it mounts on the doorpost, uh, the spotlight. Mm-hmm. And we seen something out there, and we thought it was a hoot owl because it was a, it had to be an up in a tree. We figured, and I swear to God, as mm -hmm. as we're shining the light on it, the eyes went from yellow to red. You know, and <laughs> I, let's just let's just put it this way that that big Ford three quarter ton four wheel drive with a four sixty in it was wound tight going home, and yeah. I, you know, then you rack it off for spiritual or or ghost or demon or something like that. But I'm hearing mm -hmm. that. Like I said, I don't know if they're changing the, I've heard all kinds of theories and I'm not even going to get into that, but there is something to, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly starting to lean towards there's something to that they can change maybe the angle of their eyes or the, the width, the, the opening eye aperture or something and this, this causing them mm -hmm. to change. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's something that goes on there. It's uh that was, uh, I, I, yeah, on the video, I mean, it's just, I, I was wow, wow, wow. And that's, <laughs> no, I look back at it later, I was like, <laughs> like, well, I guess I say wow a lot. But it was a, man, it was just a, I don't know, I, 
Well, uh, I guess I wasn't prepared for it, and I wasn't expecting it. Was it just one individual? Uh, it was the individual that was in the middle that I actually caught doing that. Okay, when I say this, was it? Did it? Was the eyes taller than the other ones? Yes. Or? Yeah, it was the biggest one. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And then you said there was one about four feet tall. Three yeah. individuals, right? Yes. There, there were. There was that one. There is probably seven or eight feet tall. Yeah. But I believe the one that actually the eyes changed colors. And there's another one behind it, slightly shorter. Then there was one that's probably three or four feet. So almost like a little family group or something. Yes. Wow. And, uh, you know, my first thoughts when I hear this, and folks, once again, this is just a thought. I mean, the first thing that pops in my head is is daddy's looking at you going, yeah, come on down here. And uh, yeah. you're messing with me and my family, you know. Uh, uh -huh. I, man, that's intriguing. In, in saying that, uh, before you get off the air, if you don't mind, I'd like you to to tell people how to contact you and your channel and you know all of that because uh folks we need if you have any reports out of uh western texas i mean western oklahoma god bless eastern oklahoma and western arkansas uh get a hold of these guys they're a good bunch of guys and they'll they'll definitely do you right i mean i'll, I'll put my i'll put my brand on them <laughs> Yeah, there's some places I just haven't had time to be able to go yet. I was going to uh, earlier back during the summer, you know, of some activity south of me down there toward Texas. Yeah, and I'm fixing to. I'm going to be getting there. I'm hopefully here in the next couple of weeks and get down in that area. That's uh, where they've. Uh, I don't know. I would just say they've got some odd stuff going on. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into it because anybody in that area, if I said any names or even described the business that, you know, I told you about the, the chicken house incident, mm -hmm. you know, they would figure out this, but there is a lot of strange stuff going on down there. Now, in yeah. saying this, folks, here's another thing about eastern, I mean, western Arkansas, all the way to eastern Arkansas and western Oklahoma, there's probably... 10 to 15 or more chicken houses and hog houses in every county. Yeah. And folks, these they have a certain amount of shortage that they write off. I've worked in them chicken houses, and you'll at any given time, there will be a bucket load, literally a bucket load of chickens that have passed. Mm -hmm. Hogs this passed. You know, mm -hmm. there's food there. Uh, I mean, uh, if you've got 50,000 chickens in a chicken house, you ain't going to miss one or two or three or four or 10 or 20. No. And there's there's a lot more to that area than what people understand. And there's a lot of history in that area of, like you said, strange sightings and strange occurrences. But the, the folks down there just don't like to talk about it a lot. You know, you got to be how would we say, uh, pretty much from there for them to open up. And even then they won't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's uh yeah. People are pretty close, pretty, pretty close mouth about a lot of this stuff around here. I mean, I get, I'm, I'm not, I'm not quite as open about it around here as what William is with, with William. I mean, it doesn't bother him to, uh, meet somebody at a gas station and start talking about Bigfoot and have, hey, have you seen anything? Yeah. Or heard anything. You know, he's he's more he's more forward than I am. And uh but I, I have been able to gather some stories. Uh I know I know several people around here that uh that have had some sightings. Uh 
Uh, one of them in the river. Uh, one of them, a lady was on her way to work and thing crossed the road in front of her. And that one was uh, actually in Texarkana. I mean, it, uh, as a crow flies, it wouldn't probably be four or five miles from William's house. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's a... Uh, there, there, there are a bunch of sightings. I mean, it's a... Uh, Around in this area, and the only one that I know of that's actually on the there's only two sightings I know of on the BFRO that are from the county that I'm from. One of them was not even a one of them was not a sighting. It was actually a footprints that were found in the snow uh, around 2011, and uh, they reported that. And the rest of these sightings that I know about, um, they've never been reported anywhere. People just don't want to. How would we put it? Uh, don't want people to think wrong of them, I guess would be the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times, you know, the, the thing that people are willing to accept around here is, you know, the are big cats. Yes. And in all my years that I've been in the woods, Gary, I've seen, I've seen one big cat. And I only saw half of that cat. The only reason I know for sure that it was a cat was because the half of it I saw was the tail. Wow. You know, it's funny that you say that because, you know, I've been, I've probably not been in the woods as much as you have, but I've seen three over where I'm at, but our area is a lot flatter. It's not as up and down as you are and not as, I mean, it can get dense, but it's not as, the, the area that you're in is the only areas that you're going to see cleaned out is where people has cleaned out for a farm or a property. Yes. It's mm -hmm. going to be, uh, well, it's right in the middle of Kaimishis. I mean, it's just up and down and, and woods. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, you're right. And bears are getting, I mean, they just opened up the, the season in eastern Oklahoma. And even the Arkansas, uh, the bear season has, what, uh, eight years, nine years, I think? Yeah, yeah, not very long. Yeah, and the, the populations are, are, are coming up. So in these areas, uh, honestly, there's some areas thick enough down there that uh uh it makes i've been in the pacific northwest uh, there's some areas thicker down here than there is in the pacific northwest i mean uh, you really can't compare them because they're too geographically and topographically different areas but mm -hmm. uh, there, there's some thick areas down there and, and the folks down there are i hate to say this 90 percent of the time if 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 I, most of the people that I talk to are going to be a certain in that area because I'm down there visiting my family, are a certain, uh, how would we say, uh, religious class of people. Uh, yeah. And they aren't going to stretch the truth. I mean, because that's an no. instrumental part of their belief system. Mm hmm. And if I, I have a tendency to, if, if they tell me what they're seeing, I have a tendency to believe it because they, that, that kind of, those are very religious people. And, and I'm not, not, I'm not saying yay or nay on religion, but they're, they're, it's just part of their belief system. Yeah. You know, that, that's one thing, you know, um, a lot of the folks of, uh, like that, what you're talking about, I mean, that's the one thing they want to do. They want to make sure that people know that. We're honest about what we're telling. Absolutely. And I think that's where you get that closed-mindedness. Yeah. Because if you go to telling people about some monster that moves around through the woods, that's an imaginary monster with 90-plus percent of the population of the world, and you go to telling them that you saw one, uh, people are going to look at you funny. Absolutely. But, um, I mean, these, these creatures, they're as real as you and I are. 
I'm I'm a believer. <laughs> I cannot deny it after what I've seen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when when you see one, you can't unsee it. You you just can't. Lord, I want to. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I guess the other thing, you know, if we're we're just trying to share information here, it's a uh, uh, one of the things that I've. Uh, a, a different time, you know. It's uh, I sent you some audio that uh-huh. uh, that I got Tuesday night, and the reason why I set my audio recorder out was because of the way my dogs were acting. We've uh, my wife and my daughter. They if there's a if there's a dog out there that's been abandoned and it's going hungry, it's going to end up at our house. Yeah. So, <laughs> We we just can't stand to watch one suffer and die like that. It's just if we can do something about it, we're going to do something about it, you know. And so we brought this mama dog home from a church. She had seven puppies, and a few days later, when my wife went back out there, she only had two puppies left. And so we didn't we don't know for sure what got the other five puppies. But anyway, my daughter went out there and she got the got the mama dog and the two puppies she had left and brought them to the house. And she's she's a good dog. I mean, she'll let you know when something's around. Yeah. And Tuesday afternoon, I mean, she was acting strange all evening Tuesday afternoon uh, before it even got dark. And when it got dark, she was still her behavior was different. So you know, I, I set the recorder out on the bumper of my truck, and that's that's how I picked up that that deep. I don't know. I don't know. Would you call it a howl, or I don't know what you honestly. Call it. I don't know. Uh, I can play it if you want me to. I I don't know if you think it's if you think it's worthy. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I mean, the way I usually do something like this is if you know we play it and then folks you, you, you glean what you can out of it and tell us because this yeah. is some unique audio. Uh, if you if you want me to, I'll play it. I mean, I don't mind playing it for you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's up to you. I guess if it doesn't sound good, you can always cut it out later, can't you? Well, yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> let me uh, let me do some clicking right here. Let's see. Let's go right. over here and come back over here. Take me just a second, folks, to uh, pull this up. Sure, I got my volume set. actually sounds like you had clipped it and then clipped it back right yeah yeah i did there was a there's a i clipped it and clipped it again yeah just so it. so it repeats itself it, yeah it is the, it's the deeper deeper sound and then uh there's a tree knock and then then that high pitch yeah it, it you can definitely tell it's at a distance 
Yeah. And and another thing too, folks need to. Uh, I think that we ought to uh, tell is this is not flat terrain and it's highly wooded, so mm-hmm. this thing could be two haulers over and it sound like it's yeah. fifteen miles over. Yeah. But yeah, it's a thing. Think we you can get a pretty good echo with the call, doing calls around here. Yeah, but but even at that, I don't think it, that was so deep sound and, and long. I mean, that was a long call. You know, you're talking uh, five to seven seconds yeah. for that volume. I mean, it's intriguing, folks. If you have any ideas about it when we uh, when we post this show, which I probably am going to release it, uh, this show be Sunday night. Uh, I'll I'll get with Stephen and find out when you know because I want to do a build-up on this one. We might clip some of this out right here. But uh, uh, definitely want to get it get it out there and then uh, uh, move on. But it's definitely interesting sound because, it, like you said, it changes pitches, but it's, it's, it's one solid blast. I mean, it's yeah. – yeah, I don't think I could do it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I can either. I, I do calls, but trying to, trying to do one that loud at – in that deep a voice, I don't think I can. Yeah, uh, yeah. for that amount of time. Uh, yeah. Just the, uh, it's kind of like me and uh, Mr. Paul Ragsdale got to talking about, uh, you know, some of his audio. Uh, you'd have to have a massive set of lungs and push air to, you know, to make this kind of, mm-hmm. some of the noises that you hear. And even, uh, you know, uh, the th- one that pretty much started it all, Matt Moneymaker's uh, Ohio calls, you know. Yeah. I, I don't see a human carrying on like that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, those those real deep calls, you know, and I, I've heard calls before, and it's, uh, I don't know, uh, for <laughs> a lot of times for the success that we, William and I have had, we, we still, we still pull, we still do things that we, we kind of embarrass ourselves sometimes, you know, we leave a camera out for a week and realize that when we go back to get it, that we never turn the camera on, <laughs> or we'd have a, have an audio recorder with us and. No, we didn't turn the audio on. <laughs> now you're starting to sound like me. <laughs> have a see something and have a have an audio recorder or a camera in your hand and your finger on the button and just yeah forget to push it. I mean, you get so yeah. caught up in the moment and yes, that, that's it exactly. You get caught up in the moment. I mean, one of the best calls that one of the best calls that William and I have ever heard together. We heard this summer. Uh, in a uh, oh man, in a, in a place I'll I'll tell you where it's at later, <laughs> maybe off air. Uh, but uh, oh man, it, it was a call. We had uh, we'd been out there. We'd had activity. We got some uh, activity earlier on. We found some of the tree bows and tree manipulations, and I, I did a call that we got a we got an immediate answer on, and then we had one out there probably seventy five yards from us knocking on a tree. It's kind of like whenever I did the call that I did, I kind of, I kind of created an upset, upset condition. <laughs> Once again, you broke a pattern. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, after that, finally stopped. You know, they 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 kind of calmed down. And once it got dark, we had uh, we were heading out, and we decided, well, this. I already drove past the bridge, and I stopped, and I backed up on the bridge. I said, William, see if you can get something going here, and. He did a call, and the call that we got when the thing first started, it sounded, we both thought count. But then this call kept going, and it <laughs> kept going. And at the end of it, it was three whoops. 
And I was like, oh, my goodness, we didn't, we did not record it. <laughs> you, you want to talk about somebody's mad enough to kick rocks? Oh, oh yeah. Good night. And we, William told me in his 40-something years of research, he'd never heard that call before. Wow. And I'd never heard it either. And, I mean, it, it, it wasn't 75 yards off from the bridge where, where it happened at. It was, it, it was just oh, such a clear call. A simian tap sound, it ended in three whoops. Wow. Yeah. It is oh man, I'd I'd love to I'd love, I would have absolutely loved to have had audio going when that happened. Oh, I bet. You know, that's the reason I, I carry a, people laugh at me, and I, and I always tell people, if you're going researching with me, and we're not just sitting around the camp, but I'm getting where I do it even then. Uh, I've got a little audio recorder that I put in my pocket, and I have an audio mm -hmm. recorder going all the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you have to do a lot of editing, but I have, I have the time for that. But uh, because you never know. I mean, we've well, just this last trip to Hanobia. Yeah, luckily, Randy had his. Uh, uh, I don't know if you caught that show, but we caught all kinds of sounds. And of course, Randy sent me the wrong one. I think he did it on purpose of me standing out there and <laughs> passing gas right by the the. But you get crazy stuff like that. But you never know when yeah. something's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's how it was for us up at the cabin we stayed at. You know, we stayed a. Uh... Stayed north of Smithville, up there with a. Uh, it was uh, Michael and Mary and Paul, and Logan Craft. He uh -huh. was with us, and William and me. And uh, I had my audio. I said they, they, they got up there on Thursday night, and I didn't get there till Friday evening. And they were uh, when I got there. Whenever they all got, we all gathered up at the cabin that night, uh, that evening. You know, they were uh, they went up on the roof, and they they were picking rocks up off the roof of the cabin. And there were 13 rocks on top of the roof of the cabin. So that evening, you know, I, I set some things out. Michael and I, me and Michael and Paul, we walked around. I think Mary walked around with us there too. And uh, we, found, we, found, we found tracks where they were coming up. And Michael and I made a loop around the, uh, below the cabin out there in the big rocks. And uh, good night. So I'd set my audio recorder out and I'm, so I had ten ten and a half hours of audio to go through. Wow! But but I did I did get one of the rocks hitting the roof, and uh, also there's a tree knock in that. So, and that happened at the cabin. You know that that area, that's kind of like I said, me and them SBA guys, we ran that whole area for you know. Uh, pretty hot and heavy for two years that whole area is active i mean and, you know yeah. just in that general vicinity i'm not going to violate anybody's uh uh trust but just in that general general vicinity there is within 100 square miles is uh which that covers a lot of ground <laughs> but is area x you know the the famous yeah. area x from the uh mm -hmm. marbc is it i think it is no yeah the uh, NWAC, AWAC, NWAC. Yeah. National Wood, NAWAC, National Wood Apes uh, Association. Sorry, guys, I, that y'all, I'm, I'm misquoting that, but uh, that that whole area is is active. I mean, mm -hmm. it's uh, and and once again, that's not. I mean, you literally go south to Smithville, take a left, and follow it across the state line, and you're home. Yes. Literally. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah. 
you're you're uh you're 20 miles from there maybe maybe 30 but. you know it's not far at all i mean it's yeah and it's whole the whole basically the whole area from in southeast oklahoma southwest arkansas going up through there all the way up to mena and, and north of there uh up to waldron yeah the, the whole the, there's activity all over in that area yeah i i I know of as far east as Hot Springs. I mean, they've had yeah. sightings right there at the lake at Hot Springs. Yes. Yeah, and even uh, even a little bit east of Hot Springs, uh, over there in between, you know, over there in the Caddo Valley, you know, there's oh, yeah. going on around there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, that's not including you. Then it kind of tapers off, but you get on over closer to the Mississippi side, and yes. then there's a whole different bunch of stuff uh, they're having some crazy stuff going over there right now. I mean, they're even having dogmen mm -hmm. sightings over there. But yeah. uh, it's, 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 uh, folks are, uh, y'all don't laugh when I say this, but I do believe that the population is growing. And mm -hmm. like I said, it's all speculative. In my opinion, that's the reason I said I believe, because this is all based upon belief in a scientific standing. Uh, yes. Well, I, I mean, I'm 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 absolutely convinced that the population is growing. There's there's no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt in William's mind. Uh, the uh, as a matter of fact, down in the Falk area, uh, it was last year. We uh, uh, see as William and his son Reese and me and my daughter Sydney. We were down there, and we actually had a uh, a sighting. One of the places where Williams had uh, that was down at Mercer. Is where yeah. it was at. Then at the boat ramp. <clears throat> on the north side or yeah. the south side? Uh be on the south side. Okay. And uh there is we came in the parking lot, we circled around. I mean that's where we had a uh uh Reese there was a mama and two babies. And Reese saw the mama and the two babies and I saw the mama. Wow. And the mama was on all fours there. Wow. And and to me we've got that on the recorder of the conversation that Reese and I had after the sighting. And we, William's got that recorder. It's, uh, I mean, we, we went to the, we, we started describing what we saw just as soon as we got out of the truck. Cause my daughter, she was in charge of the recorder that night. So she recorded the conversation. Wow. And we walked on up the road. Uh, and as we uh, walked up on the road, I mean, I can't hear as well as my daughter and Sydney can, my daughter and Sydney can. So they were hearing the tree knocks out there. And we uh, we were there. I we've been there. We've been out there fifteen or twenty minutes. And I did a call. It was a call that I had heard. And when I did the call, well, I heard the tree knock in response to it. And it was a real soft knock, kind of like it was. I don't know. My interpretation of it is kind of like, uh, "Hey, we're over here." <laughs> I, I I can believe that. And see, and that, that's another thing about the tree knocks. I mean. Yeah, they do tree knocks, but I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm sure leaning hard that not not every tree knock means the same thing. I know it don't. I I think it's a form of communication. Me and Randy yeah. and Shane and them's had that discussion many a times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See the uh, the loudest the loudest tree knock I've ever heard was here on my place this summer. And uh, what it is, I have some neighbors that live behind me. And he had cranked up his truck. He has a real loud pickup, and he was driving through his pasture or something. I don't know what he was doing. Anyway, when he cranked up his loud pickup, well, that 
I'm talking it sounded like it must have been Mark McGuire hit the tree. Huh. I'm, I'm talking it was unbelievably loud. And I kind of think the really loud tree knocks are probably warnings. Very well could be. And, 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 and that's where I think people need to keep in mind and try to document these things and put a pool of information together throughout the community. Mm-hmm. And, and because the more information we have, the better off we'll be, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, sharing sharing this information, you know, it's, uh, to me, I think that's going to be the thing that's going to be key to having a better understanding of the of this species. Absolutely. Sorry about that. My dog decided to uh, alert. <laughs> yeah. No, you was talking about Mercer. Uh, I don't know if uh, Shane and him told you, me and Shane Church and uh, uh, Jacob... Uh, Gomez had a tree pushed over not 10 yards from us on the north boat ramp of Mercer Bayou. Mm. <laughs> and then about 50 yards south down that canal, we was all canoeing out of there. Uh, Dustin Clark chased something through the woods. I mean, he jumped out of the boat and took off up the bank and, and started barreling out after it. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, oh, man. It broke my heart when uh, I knew the game ranger was telling me that they was going to do it, but uh, uh, I can't even think of his name. I know he's a retired uh, Marine Corps, but great guy. But uh, I'm sure Will knows him. But uh, it broke my heart when they told me that they was draining Mercer Bayou. It just, mm. uh, yeah. And I talked to Will at Hanubia, and he said they haven't they haven't uh, restored it yet, and it's still dry. So I'm wondering what that's doing with the with the booger population down there. Oh, uh, well, they're they're still active in the area right now. Are they? Yes, I, I believe they it. are. Yeah. I had a. I had to laugh. We was down there talking to a feller one time and, and some of the locals. And and uh, there was a guy that was not from there. I think he's from Dallas driving through. We was over at the store at Falk and uh, talking about alligators. And the uh, guy's like, oh, there ain't no alligators in this area. And I just started chuckling. <laughs> and uh, one of the, the guy that owns the store, I can't even think of his name, kind of looked at me and says, you're not from this area. How do you know? I said, because we was just in Mercer Bayou and seen one. I yeah. said, but y'all had a 14-footer sighted down there about a week ago. He goes, are you sure you're not from here? <laughs> I just I gather information when I go into a place, but yeah, that place is. You get off of Mercer, man. It's rough. I mean, that's it's like this. My wife is from Louisiana, so you know we spend some time in the swamp down there. But Mercer's pretty deep in there itself. Yeah, yeah. All, I, I, all that down around Falk, that's man. That, that's a jungle down yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's, uh, I guarantee you, whatever you wanted to have in there, you could have it. Oh, yeah. And there's there's probably things hidden in there that you don't want to find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, I, I guarantee you there are. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, so, something else I, I, I kind of alluded to earlier, you know, was talking about with the dogs, whenever the dogs, pay, pay attention to your dogs if you have outside dogs. Absolutely. Because they'll let you know when something's, something's out there. Absolutely, and uh, I mean that was that was something with one of the another picture that I got last year. It was a uh, they were sixty five steps from my from my house. Uh, I knew something was up, <clears throat> and so I I started taking pictures. I, you know, I kind of went around in a uh, about one hundred and eighty degrees, taking pictures there, and when I walked back up to go in the house, well, that's when I spotted spotted them. 
And it's two of them standing side by side. One of them is maybe about six feet tall, and the other one's probably about five feet tall. And it's another one of those taps, similar tap to what I showed you the picture of. Yeah. And the other thing that I, I caught was there was a big one about 125 yards from them out there in the woods. Huh. So whenever you see whenever you see one, please don't think that that thing is there by itself. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because the one that you see, <laughs> there, there's another one or there's a couple more with it. People laugh at me. If we're out researching and I hear a tree snap or something over in one direction, mm -hmm. I'm usually looking in the opposite direction. Yep. I, I, I don't know why. I just, something tells me that if they're snapping over here, they're doing that to, uh, <laughs> Uh, doing that to keep the attention off of somebody else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guarantee you. It's uh, kind of like the old trick in squirrel hunting. You know, you always want to carry some rocks or acorns in your pocket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Throw it around the trees to get the, the squirrel to circle. Yep. I've always, I've done that a bunch, boy. And see, I get to talking to you, and it's like talking to my family. You know, well, we yeah. practically are. I mean, when the, <laughs> from that area but uh steven i'm gonna uh we're running up on my window i'm going live here in about 30 minutes and i'm right. uh but before you get off i i'm of course we're gonna have you back on man i've enjoyed this so much oh me too but if you could for the folks uh give them your uh your contact information and uh, i'll be sure and and get it from you and post it also when we post the show but i'd like to do it audio too because uh i play these a lot especially in this format uh, I play them a lot on internet radio. I've got like eight internet radio stations that we play on, and okay. uh, and uh, that way people can get a hold of you there. And uh, uh, I, I would honestly say North Texas, North Northeast Texas, Northwest Louisiana, all the way up into Arkansas and Oklahoma, because you got Will down there in Texarkana. So yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, if people want to go see what uh, some videos, I've got a little bit of audio on there too. I don't I don't have anything really labeled as Bigfoot on there, but that's uh William he's been telling me I need to go ahead and label it that way. <laughs> and maybe I should. But it's a uh, Russ sixteen R U S one six, uh the the numbers. Uh, uh if they wanna do that. <clears throat> as it turns out, I mean I, I created that account uh, a few years ago on YouTube. That, and, I was gonna say is that YouTube, but you you said it. Yeah, it is on YouTube, and uh, you want to do that? I mean, I'll, I'll I'll try to send you the link. Maybe you could drop it in if they won't see that. Uh, we've got there's a little bit of stuff on there. The Ashine videos are on there. Uh, the uh, we have uh, some vocalizations. Uh, we've got one thing that sounds real similar to the Puyallup, uh vocals that were recorded out in Washington State. I think it's on there. For real. I think I've got that titled Night Sounds." What What was that? Uh, what was the station? The deal, The channel again? Uh, Russ sixteen. R U S sixteen. And, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, but that's uh, we've got a little bit of that on there, and I'll I'll probably put this audio that I sent you. I'll probably put that on there. I don't okay. know. 
what I titled that yet. I don't know if I had put Bigfoot on that or not. I mean, it's, I don't know what else is going to make that real deep sound. Uh, I don't, I don't, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just, I, I think I caught what I was after, you know, with that audio. It's definitely intriguing. I mean, it is. I don't know. I'm. I'm actually, if you don't mind, I might uh, tomorrow, the next day, uh, pull it in on my audio equipment and try to clean it up a little bit and send it back yeah. to you. Yeah. And uh, and see. But uh, yeah, if you could send me that link, for some reason I pulled it up. I couldn't pull it up on YouTube. It's interesting. Yeah. There's a. Yeah. There. Uh, there are actually several several channels by that title. So yeah, I, yeah. I didn't realize. I guess I need to do something different. Uh, just. To, well, if you send me the link, then they'll just be able to click on it. Uh, yeah. I actually, I remember the Rust 16. You're actually one of my subscribers. But, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I remember it and when it mm -hmm. comes in. But, uh, man, I, I can't wait to have you back on. I'm going to get with Will. Matter of fact, i got to get with you in the next day or two to get a hold of Will. And then uh, yeah. I, I'd like to have him on. And then I want to have you both back on as a group, uh, specifically promoting y'all's research team, you know. Okay. And yeah. Yeah. We we've got other stuff at Ground Zero. We didn't. We I I didn't even scratch the surface with. Yeah. What all we've got going on out there? What you know, what I really like to do is I like to do a bio show like you know we did with you, and then do one on Will, and then bring y'all together. That way, everybody knows. You know, I did it with the, with the Ozark Mountain guys. Uh, mm -hmm. They, they kind of know who you are and know your background before we. Yeah, like you said, because you got a lot going on in that. Uh, in that ground zero area there's y'all got probably three or four shows worth of stuff we could just discuss for about seven or eight hours worth yeah it's uh some of some of the things we've had there and you know it's uh i'll go ahead and pick on william now i, I think i think william has a secret admirer out there so <laughs> I, after hearing some of the stories, yes, and, and folks, I'm going to elude off into something else too. Talking to William and Stephen, some of this stuff is not all physical Sasquatch either. There's some other stuff going on out there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we yeah, which yeah, it, <laughs> more than not, and and I, I can accurately say this now because I've been doing this show for a little bit and been taking reports for a long time, and I'm finding out that more than not now they correlate together. I don't know why, and we're still trying to figure that one out. Yeah, yeah. There, there's sometimes there's some sometimes there's some odd things that uh, that go on. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. Well, man, I'm going to uh, jump off of here. i got 30 minutes to get uh, shut down and my new audio and stuff put in. And uh, and then I'll get with you. Of course, this is a pre-recorded, so we can edit out anything. But uh, I'll uh, get this thing presented. And I'll get with you a uh, message you here after a while. I should be done with the live show around 7 or so, but you'll probably be watching it, too, knowing you. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll watch it as long as I can Yeah, uh, until... Go to church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and once again, uh, folks, I, I want to give credit to where credit is due. Uh, the folks in Western Arkansas and Eastern Oklahoma has always been good to me. There, that's home to me. Uh, stretching from Hugo to Hot Springs, all the way over to Ada, Oklahoma. Uh, those all the way up to Podo and and uh, uh, Hevener area. Uh, that's that's home. And those yeah. folks out there are good folks, and 
if, if you approach them right, just don't approach them the wrong way because they can turn ornery real fast. Yeah. But, uh, yes, yeah, they can. Just a good bunch of folks out there, and I bet you half of them, you probably couldn't drive 20 miles, and they're probably not, I haven't been to church with them, or they're not part of my family, but uh, I, yeah. that to me feels like home to me. I love going down there, but Stephen, glad to have you on, my friend. Uh, you got anything else you want to run by us before we uh, shut off of here? Uh, I've enjoyed it, Gary, and look forward to doing it again. We are going to do it again pretty soon, man, because this is, uh, I, I, people's already asking. I mean, because I alluded to it when we was doing the live show at uh, Hanobia, and the pictures, everybody's like, oh, goodness, you know Will and all them. And, and uh, on the next show, when we talk with Will, I'll, I'll kind of allude to uh, what Will's done for me in the past. He's He had an instrumental part in uh, getting me back out after I blew my hip out and everything. Uh, he was one of the ones that kind of pushed me to, to start getting back out into the community. But great bunch mm -hmm. of guys. Stephen, we appreciate you, brother. Yeah, thank you. We'll talk to you later, my friend. All right. Bye-bye. There it is, folks. Mr. Stephen Hill from Western Arkansas. Great guy. Lots of stories, lots of stuff going on out there, dedicated to the cause, and in the perfect position to do it with the uh, all the forestry department work. I'm going to jump off of here and get ready for the live show tonight, so we're going to edit this show and release it pretty soon. Thank you, guys. <laughs>